The following is a content warning for Chapter 3 of Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. There are themes of questionable consent, racism, ableism, graphic description of violence, and sexualization of children and drug use. Hey, hey folks, Dave here. Andrew. And welcome to So Many Books. So Little Time. Today we will be continuing our read of Brave New World by Aldous Huxley with Chapter 3. Cue the music. Yes! Okay, so... Uh, last episode, uh, if it was a bit too noisy, a bit too difficult to listen to, we do apologize. This remote recording thing, we're still working a lot. Uh, we're still working out a lot of the kinks. In regards to that, hopefully this episode will sound a lot better. But uh, Rue has uh, some new pets. Yes, uh, I'm exploring growing my own sourdough starters. So uh, one is called Herman. Herman is, because the Germans refer to sourdough starters as Hermans. I don't know where that came from. No one really knows, apparently. But yeah, so Herman has started. Uh, he's a commercial yeast, so he's a little uh, fast out the gates and deflates really fast. So it's a bit frustrating, but we're getting there. Um, and then there's the new one wh whom I refer to as the return of the yeasty boys. Um <laughs> Or Yeasty Boys Take Two, I'm not entirely sure, still debating. Um, and they. And, oh, oh, and that one is if, from scratch. Yes. If, if they don't turn out well, it's sabotage! I hope no one does, actually. No, right now, um, the, the one that I'm doing that's new. Yeasty boys take two. Um, I know this is riveting stuff. Uh, I, I've taken um, just some plain rye flour and some water put it in a sterile jar and i'm just waiting so i'm allowing the wild yeast to form without any additions without any commercial help which is a lot more interesting to me than opening a packet and shoving it in and seeing what happened like you're doing not, it yourself yeah like well i'm not doing it I, i'm i'm facilitating a natural event um hopefully but the weather has been a little unpredictable. Mm. Um, it's either too cold or it's too warm. And it's very frustrating because I need it to get the temperatures to, to behave. Otherwise, um, yeah. Temperatures behaving? Do you forget where you live? That's true. Um, but it's okay. It's And that's the whole idea of it becoming unique. And I, I need to get into some... Yeah, this is sad. I need to get into some sourdough podcasts and things like that. But... <laughs> So far. <laughs> so hey, hey, far. where are all my dough boys at? Well, no, there's some really cool projects that where they're looking at the genetic, like they've got genetic catalogs of sourdough starters that have been running for hundreds of years. Because that's what happens is they pass it on from one mm. person to the next to the next to the next. And you try and not accidentally kill your sourdough creature. So it's great. Yeah, it's it's weird to think, you know, that like uh, bread and a lot of our dairy contain living organisms. Well, we contain living organisms. Yes, we're mostly living organisms. Well, we are one, and then there's our buddies that work with us and hopefully not against us. 
it, it, it's a tenuous good. relationship. It requires a good balance, um, but we're working on it. Um, so that was the idea. Basically, I'm pretty gluten intolerant. Uh, I'm gluten sensitive at this point in time, and some days I'm really badly reactive, which we think is an immune system quirk. So sourdough, in theory, provides a better gastrointestinal thing, environment. Well, I'm yes. sure you will keep us updated as the weeks go on. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll get to know whether Herman and the Yeasty Boys take to how that goes. So yes. it's been um, a little while longer since we've recorded Chapter 2. Have you had time to process what we went through in that chapter? Yeah, I still hate it. <laughs> Surprise! I don't like people being tortured, especially innocent children. And the amount of Ford references was, was a lot as well. <laughs> uh, well, I, I like that we kind of keyed into, because it's something that's probably been in the back of my mind when I've read the book, but it never was kind of outwardly spoken until you pointed out that, you know, it's almost like Huxley is, this This is satire. He He's kind of making a parody of how far like the um capitalism under the like uh what's it called the um line assembly the yeah oh, uh, what's that named uh when no 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 automation ford, ford was Autom famous for creating the assembly line but it has a it has a name conveyor belt the economy? I don't know. I'm sure there's a word for it. But automation is basically what it was. It was a new way to uh, use less people to create product more efficiently. Yes. Which um, is kind of what they're doing with their breeding program. Yeah. Yes. Conveyor, I think that's pretty much, like, um, we can't tell exactly what Huxley was thinking. It would have been... A good. He wrote this in the nineteen late nineteen twenties, early nineteen thirties, mm -hmm. from memory. Yes, so it had been about twenty years ish, more, a bit more, since we had mass manufacturing of cars and industry and a lot of impact of the changes of the the way that our economy was running, like that, how that impacted on everything. We had the um, Great Depression. First World this War. Is, First World War. Uh, well, we had wars before then, but First World War being one of, like, being the most um, life lost in one, like, almost the automation of war. It wasn't automation. I'm trying to find the right word for it, but it's like the mass production skills and abilities that we used in industry for construction were being used for mass production of weapons. For the first time we had this kind of, I mean, we used to have weapons, yes, 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 but nothing as insidious and, and as horrific as what happened in the world, First World War. I think the First World War was when tanks first started being produced. Yeah, we had tanks, we had aerial bombardment, which we previously had not had. Um, with our zeppelins and our, um, I, I mean, it, it probably was a very horrific and scary thing, but the thought of war zeppelins does make me smile. Well, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, this balloon, um, this balloon is coming. Well, I, actually, I'm not sure if it was the first instance of aerial attack. I'm sure there would have been ones as soon as hot air balloons were invented as well. 
True, true. But yeah, the, the Wright brothers were like right around the turn of the centuries and aviation kind of really sped up quickly. We had a lot of changes in terms of what preceded World War One and what happened after World War One were a huge shift in the way warfare was approached and impacted on us. I mean, war has always impacted on humanity and it's always been pretty bad, but we'd never had anything that was this global, this affected by different people, like different effects around the world. Like if, if an event in the middle of Europe could affect what's going on in a country on the other end of the planet, hmm. like that kind of, re the repercussions and the interdependence. And then you had the mass manufacturing of weapons and um, essentially tools for death. Which, which and is I guess kind this of... Is Oh, sorry. That's sorry. That was what I was thinking. Like this is where I don't know where uh, Aldous's mindset would have been, but if you take that and you think, well, what would happen if you applied it to life and how is human life regarded by society and how is it approached and what do we place importance on? So, well, if you want to be really cynical, you are only as valuable as your productivity. Yes, and and that's still a lingering. Um idea that that kind of is at the forefront of uh, where we are today well it's where we have a lot of injustice as well because what one person considers productivity or having value is not the same as another person what society what one society deems as being valuable or important or contributing is not the same as another society's if you have different approaches towards um life and how society functions and is you know how you can contribute so actually i read something really cool just today uh, someone had done a summary of um this is regarding the current global medical crisis and i can't remember exactly what it was but it was something along the lines of why are we having all these decisions made by I mean, it's referring to neurodivergence and neurotypical people let me find it. Um, so now who left? So that someone had obviously responded to something like, why, why are all these neurotypical people in charge of mental health? If you're neurotypical or if you are unaffected by mental health issues, how well are you actually, I mean, yes, you can comprehend things through reading and experience uh, observing, but shouldn't we also be consulting those who are not normative so to speak or not uh, should we be consulting uh, the impact these things have on people who actually have the conditions and then the next one was like who left all these healthy doctors in charge of the hospital is what this sounds like they reckon okay and the response to that was could you imagine how awful it would be if people with amputations would consult on things like a prosthesis or people in wheelchairs designing living and working spaces for people with mobility issues, or autistic people trying to help other autistic people. Um, so that kind of, wouldn't it be awful if people who are in remission from cancer actually helped other people who are currently going through cancer prepare for the pain and the treatments involved? Like, why do these people, what could these people possibly add to the discussion? What could they possibly contribute? Yeah. In terms of our understanding of pain and suffering and application. And, and so that's, by the way, all sarcasm. So we think about it. And when we look at um, Huxley's model, you are very much not actually it's not Huxley's model. 
Huxley's world that he describes, it's all very rigid and very, we're going to program what we want. We're going to mass produce what we want. Humans as, as, as products is creepy. Like, and I hope it would be creepy to anyone. Like it would be. Well, you know, we, we talked about this during 1984, where, uh, it would be quite frightening to meet someone who read that book and thought like, oh, this is a great idea. I have a similar feeling on, on, um, brave new world. Yeah. Like these, I mean, fair enough. These are meant to be warnings as opposed to social framework, lesson plans, structures, guidelines, maps. I don't know. Well, it's, it's all, it's also fiction. I, the, the, the scare, the scary part of it comes because we can see so much of society going down that path yeah well that's the thing like i don't I, I i realize it is fiction and so it's the idea of this is from the imagination of an individual but they are extrapolating yes from what they have observed mm -hmm. this whole idea of write what you know well no one knows about alien species and and planets and and those kind of things julian didn't know what it was like to travel under the water like that it was all or to go to the core of the earth like these things were not known. as far as you know yeah, well maybe he, but we imagine these things but the thing is that they come from often they will come from somewhere that that reminds me of that argument or discussion around i uh uh method acting like, you know, before Taxi Driver, how Robert De Niro went and drove a taxi for quite a while to prepare for the role. And then there's other people who think, well, you're an actor. Shouldn't you just be able to essentially pretend? Hmm. Yeah, I think that will also get, depend on people. If you cannot visualize without immersing yourself, that's just, you know, that's how you learn. That's how you interact. And I don't think we yes. can just, it's, 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 that's how you perceive and process information. People just have different learning styles. And I guess some people need an element of reality to kickstart their imagination. Yeah. Yeah. They need to start from somewhere like sourdough starter. Now on that <laughs> note. <laughs> We're about back. to do another 20 minutes on sourdough, so strap in, <laughs> folks. No, on that note, um, I think it's good to talk about scientific experiments as we go back to Brave New World and the making of the manufacturing of the children. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what they cover in this chapter. Yes. Okay. Yes. Three. Outside in the garden, it was playtime. Naked in the warm June sunshine, six or seven hundred little boys and girls were running with shrill yells over the lawns, or playing bubble games, or squatting silently in twos and threes among the flowering shrubs. The roses were in bloom. Two nightingales soliloquized in the boscage. A cuckoo was just going out of tune among the lime trees. The air was drowsy with the murmur of bees and helicopters. I'm going to go with these being alphas. Maybe. Mm. Although, what use would Alvis have for a love of nature? That's true. Beaters, maybe. Control the population. Distract them. Yeah. The director and his students stood for a short time watching a game of centrifugal bumble puppy. I hope that isn't what it sounds like. 
Twenty children were grouped in a circle round a chrome steel tower. A ball thrown up so as to land on the platform at the top of the tower rolled down into the interior, fell on a rapidly revolving disc, was hurled through one or other of the numerous apertures pierced in the cylindrical casing, and had to be caught. Strange, mused the director as they turned away. Strange to think that even in our Ford's day, most games were played without more apparatus than a ball or two and a few sticks and perhaps a bit of netting. Imagine the folly of allowing people to play elaborate games which do nothing whatever to increase consumption. It's madness. Nowadays, the controllers won't approve of any new game unless it can be shown that it requires at least as much apparatus as the most complicated of existing games. He interrupted himself. So they... So it's an idea of productivity because they need to produce material things. Well, not so much productivity, but consumption. No one's going to have any leisure activity unless it features as much consumption as possible. Makes sense. Okay. But it's like, what is this? A game with a ball and a net? That hardly means anything. That hardly may, like, that doesn't require enough things. Doesn't require enough things at all. Yeah. Mm. That's a charming little group, he said, pointing. In a little grassy bay between tall clumps of Mediterranean heather, two children, a little boy of about seven, and a little girl, who might have been a year older, were playing, very gravely and with all the focused attention of scientists intent on the labor of discovery, a rudimentary sexual game. Charming, charming, the DHC repeated sentimentally. Charming, the boys politely agreed, but their smile was rather patronizing. They had put aside similar childish amusements too recently to be able to wash them now without a touch of contempt. Charming, but it was just a pair of kids fooling about. That was all. Just kids. I always think, the director was continuing in the same rather maudlin tone, when he was interrupted by a loud boo-hooing. From a neighboring shrubbery emerged a nurse, leading by the hand a small boy who howled as he went. An anxious-looking little girl trotted at her heels. "'What's the matter?' asked the director. The nurse shrugged her shoulders. "'Nothing much,' she answered. "'It's just that this little boy seems rather reluctant to join in the ordinary erotic play. "'I've noticed it once or twice before, and now again today. He started yelling just now.' "'Honestly,' put in the anxious-looking little girl. "'I didn't mean to hurt him or anything. Honestly.' "'Of course you didn't, dear,' said the nurse reassuringly. "'And so,' she went on, turning back to the director, I'm taking him in to see the assistant superintendent of psychology, just to see if anything's at all abnormal. Quite right, said the director. Take him in. You stay here, little girl, he added, as the nurse moved away with her still howling charge. What's your name? Polly Trotsky. And a very good name, too, said the director. Run away now and see if you can find some other little boy to play with. The child scampered off into the bushes and was lost to sight. Exquisite little creature, said the director, looking after her. Then turning to his students, what I'm going to tell you now, he said, may sound incredible. But then, when you're not accustomed to history, most facts about the past do sound incredible. He let out the amazing truth. For a very long period before the time of our Ford, and even for some generations afterwards, erotic play between children had been regarded as abnormal. There was a roar of laughter. And not only abnormal, actually immoral. No! and had therefore been rigorously suppressed. A look of astonished incredulity appeared on the faces of his listeners. Poor little kids not allowed to amuse themselves? They could not believe it. 
Even adolescents, the DHC was saying, even adolescents like yourselves, not possible. Barring a little surreptitious autoeroticism and homosexuality, absolutely nothing. Nothing? In most cases, till they were over 20 years old. 20 years old, echoed the students in a chorus of loud disbelief. 20, the director repeated. I told you that you'd find it incredible. But what happened, they asked. What were the results? The results were terrible. A deep, resonant voice broke startlingly into the dialogue. They looked around. On the fringe of the little group stood a stranger, a man of middle height, black-haired with a hooked nose, full red lips, eyes very piercing and dark. Terrible, he repeated. The DHC had that moment sat down on one of the steel and rubber benches conveniently scattered through the gardens. But at the sight of the stranger, he sprang to his feet and darted forward, his hand outstretched, smiling with all his teeth, effusive. Controller, what an unexpected pleasure. Boys, what are you thinking of? This is the controller. This is his Ford ship, Mustafa Mond. In the 4,000 rooms of the center, the 4,000 electric clocks simultaneously struck four. Discarnate voices called from the trumpet mouths. Main day shift off duty. Second day shift take over. Main day shift off. In the lift on their way up to the changing rooms, Henry Forster and the assistant director of predestination rather pointedly turned their backs on Bernard Marx from the psychology bureau, averted themselves from that unsavory reputation. The faint hum and rattle of machinery still stirred the crimson air in the embryo store. Shifts might come and go. One lupus-colored face gave place to another. Majestically and forever, the conveyors crept forward with their load of future men and women. Lenina Cranton walked briskly towards the door. His foreship, Mustafa Mond. The eyes of the saluting students almost popped out of their heads. Mustafa Mond, the resident controller for Western Europe, one of the ten world controllers, one of the ten. And he sat down on the bench with the DHC. He was going to stay, to stay, yes, and actually talk to them. Straight from the horse's mouth. Straight from the mouth of Ford himself. Two shrimp-brown children emerged from a neighboring shrubbery, stared at them for a moment with large, astonished eyes, then returned to their amusements among the leaves. You all remember, said the controller in his strong, deep voice. You all remember, I suppose, that beautiful and inspired saying of our Fords. History is bunk. History, he repeated slowly, is bunk. He waved his hand, and it was as though with an invisible feather whisk he had brushed away a little dust, and the dust was Harappa was Ura the Chaldees, some spiderwebs, and they were Thebes and Babylon and Gnosis and Makane. Whisk, whisk, and where was Odysseus? Where was Job? Where were Jupiter and Gautama and Jesus? Whisk, and those specks of antique dirt called Athens and Rome, Jerusalem and the Middle Kingdom, all were gone. Whisk, the place where Italy had been was empty. Whisk, the cathedrals. Whisk, whisk, King Lear and the thoughts of Pascal. Whisk, passion. Whisk, requiem. Whisk, symphony. Whisk. Going to the feelings this evening, Henry, inquired the assistant predestinator. I hear the new one at the Halambra is first rate. There's a love scene on a bearskin rug. They say it's marvelous. Every hair of the bear reproduced. The most amazing tactual effects. And that's why you're taught no history, the controller was saying. But now the time has come. The DHC looked at him nervously. There were those strange rumors of old forbidden books hidden in a safe in the controller's study. Bibles, poetry, Ford knew what. Mustafa Mond intercepted his anxious glance and the corners of his red lips twitched ironically. 
It's all right, Director, he said in a tone of faint derision. I won't corrupt them. The DHC was overwhelmed with confusion. Those who feel themselves despised do well to look despising. The smile on Bernard Marx's face was contemptuous. Every hair on the bear indeed. I shall make a point of going, said Henry Foster. Mustafa Mond leaned forward, shook a finger at them. Just try to realize it, he said, and his voice sent a strange thrill quivering along their diaphragms. Try to realize what it was like to have a viviparous mother. That smutty word again. But none of them dreamed this time of smiling. I think I should just interject for those listening who might be a little confused. It seems in this chapter, at this point, we are jumping between two conversations that are being had in different places with different people. Yeah, I'm very confused. I think the controller is talking to... The group, yeah, the director's group. The controller is talking to them, but also uh, Bernard Marx is talking to another person about the feelies. And this is in a separate area. But for some reason, it, the, the they're just casually jumping back and forth between the two conversations. I think the idea is that there's gives you a setting. It's a bit weird, but yeah. Mm. Try to imagine what living with one's family meant. They tried, but obviously without the smallest success. And do you know what a home was? They shook their heads. From her dim crimson cellar, Lenina Crown shot up 17 stories. Turn to the right as she stepped out of the lift. Walked down a long corridor and, opening the door marked Girls' dressing room, plunged into a deafening chaos of arms and bosoms and underclothing. Torrents of hot water were splashing into or girdling out of a hundred baths. Rumbling and hissing, eighty vibro-vacuum massage machines were simultaneously kneading and sucking the firm and sunburned flesh of eighty superb female specimens. Everyone was talking at the top of her voice. A synthetic music machine was warbling out a super cornet solo. Hello, Fanny, said Lenina to the young woman who had the pegs and locker next to hers. Fanny worked in the bottling room, and her surname was also Crown. But as the 2,000 million inhabitants of the planet had only 10,000 names between them, the coincidence was not particularly surprising. Lenina pulled at her zippers downwards on the jacket, downwards with a double-handed gesture at the two that held trousers, downwards again to loosen her undergarment. Still wearing her shoes and stockings, she walked off towards the bathrooms. Home. Home. A few small rooms, stiflingly over-inhabited by a man, by a periodically teeming woman, by a rabble of boys and girls of all ages. No air, no space. An under-sterilized prison. Darkness, disease, and smells. The controller's evocation was so vivid that one of the boys more sensitive than the rest, turned pale at the mere description and was on the point of being sick. Lenina got out of the bath, toweled herself dry, took hold of a long flexible tube plugged into the wall, presented the nozzle to her breast as though she meant to commit suicide, pressed down the trigger. A blast of warmed air dusted her with the finest talcum powder. Eight different scents and eau de cologne were laid on in little taps over the wash basin. She turned on the dirt from the left, dabbed herself with Kypri, and carrying her shoes and stockings in her hand, went out to see if one of the Vibru vacuum machines were free. And home was as squalid psychically as physically. Psychically, it was a rabbit hole, a midden, hot with the frictions of tightly packed life, reeking with emotion. What suffocating intimacies, what dangerous, insane, obscene relationships between the members of the family group. 
maniacally, the mother brooded over her children. Her children brooded over them like a cat over its kittens, but a cat that could talk, a cat that could say, my baby, my baby, over and over again, my baby, and oh, oh, at my breast, the little hands, the hunger, and that unspeakable, agonizing pleasure, till at last my baby sleeps, my baby sleeps with a bubble of white milk at the corner of his mouth, my little baby sleeps. Yes, said Mustafa Ma, nodding his head, you may well shudder. Who are you going out with tonight? Lenina asked, returning from the back like a pearl illuminated from within, pinkly glowing. Nobody. Lenina raised her eyebrows in astonishment. I've been feeling rather out of source lately, Fanny explained. Dr. Wells advised me to have a pregnancy substitute. But, my dear, you're only nineteen. The first pregnancy substitute isn't compulsory till twenty-one. I know, dear, but some people are better if they begin earlier. Dr. Wells told me that brunettes with wide pelvises like me ought to have their first pregnancy substitute at seventeen, so I'm really two years late, not two years early. She opened the door of her locker and pointed to the row of boxes and labeled files on the upper shelf. Syrup of Corpus Luteum. Lenina read the names aloud. Overin. Guaranteed fresh. Not to be used after August 1st, AF 632. Memory. Gland extract. To be taken three times daily, before meals, with a little water. Pleasanton. 5cc to be injected intravenally every third day. Ugh. Lenina shuddered. How I loathe intravenals, don't you? Yes, but when they do one good, Fanny was a particularly sensible girl. Our Ford, or our Freud, as for some inscrutable reason he chose to call himself whenever he spoke of psychological matters, our Freud had been the first to reveal the appalling dangers of family life. The world was full of fathers, was therefore full of misery, full of mothers, therefore of every kind of perversion from sadism to chastity full of brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, full of madness and suicide. And yet, a bit of racism coming up. And yet, among the savages of Samoa, in certain islands off the coast of New Guinea, the tropical sunshine lay like warm honey on the naked bodies of children tumbling promiscuously among the hibiscus Mm. blossoms. Home was in any one of twenty palm-thatched houses, in the Trobrians, conception was the work of ancestral ghosts. Nobody had ever heard of a father. Extremes, said the controller, meet, for the good reason that they were made to meet. Dr. Wells says that a three-months pregnancy substitute now will make all the difference to my health for the next three or four years. Well, I hope he's right, said Lenina. But Fanny, do you really mean to say that for the next three months you're not supposed to... Oh, no, dear, only for a week or two, that's all. I shall spend the evening at the club playing musical bridge. I suppose you're going out? Lenina nodded. With who? Henry Foster. Again, Fanny's kind, rather moon-like face took on an incongruous expression of pained and disapproving astonishment. Do you mean to tell me you're still going out with Henry Foster? Mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters, but there were also husbands, wives, lovers. There was also monogamy and romance. But you probably don't know what those are, said Mustafa Mond. They shook their heads. Family, monogamy, romance, everywhere exclusiveness, a narrow channeling of impulse and energy. But everyone belongs to everyone else, he concluded, citing the hypnopedic proverb. The students nodded, emphatically agreeing with a statement which upwards of 62,000 repetitions in the dark had made them accept, not merely as true, but as axiomatic, self-evident, utterly indisputable.
But after all, Lenina was protesting, it's only about four months now since I've been having Henry. Only four months? I like that. And what's more, Fanny went on, pointing an accusing finger, there's been nobody else except Henry all that time, has there? Lenina blushed scarlet. But her eyes, the tone of her voice remained defiant. No, there hasn't been anyone else, she answered almost truculently. And I jolly well don't see why there should have been. Oh, she jolly well doesn't see why there should have been, Fanny repeated as though to an invisible listener behind Lenina's left shoulder. Then with a sudden change of tone, but seriously, she said, I really do think you ought to be careful. It's such horribly bad form to go on and on like this with one man. At forty or thirty-five, it wouldn't be so bad, but at your age, Lenina, no, it really won't do. And you know how strongly the DHC objects to anything intense or long-drawn. Four months of Henry Foster, without having another man, why, he'd be furious if he knew. Think of water under pressure in a pipe. They thought of it. I pierced it once, said the controller. What a jet. He pierced it twenty times. There were twenty piddling little fountains. My baby, my baby, mother. The badness is infectious. My love, my one and only, precious, precious. Mother, monogamy, romance. High spurts the fountain. Fierce and foamy, the wild jet. The urge has but a single outlet. My love, my baby, no wonder these poor pre-moderns were mad and wicked and miserable. Their world didn't allow them to take things easily. Didn't allow them to be sane, virtuous, happy. What with mothers and lovers, what with the prohibitions they were not conditioned to obey, what with the temptations and the lonely remorses, what with all the diseases and the endless isolating pain, what with the uncertainties and the poverty, they were forced to feel strongly, and feeling strongly, and strongly what was more in solitude, in hopelessly individual isolation, how could they be stable? Of course there's no need to give him up. Have somebody else from time to time, that's all. He has other girls, doesn't he? Lenina admitted it. Of course he does. Trust Henry Foster to be the perfect gentleman, always correct. And then there's the director to think of. You know what a stickler. Nodding. He patted me on the behind this afternoon, said Lenina. There, you see, Fanny was triumphant. That shows what he stands for, the strictest conventionality. Stability, said the controller. Stability. No civilization without social stability. No social stability without individual stability. His voice was a trumpet. Listening, they felt larger, warmer. The machine turns, turns, and must keep on turning forever. It is death if it stands still. A thousand million scrabbled the crust of the earth. The wheels began to turn. In 150 years, there were 2,000 millions. Stop all the wheels. In 150 weeks, there are once more only a thousand millions. A thousand, thousand, thousand men and women have starved to death. Wheels must turn steadily, but cannot turn untended. There must be men to tend them, men as steady as the wheels upon their axles, sane men, obedient men, stable in contentment. So I'm just kind of processing that because the rest of it, I'm just, I think I'm doing a bit of self-preservation and I'm shutting off. It is I'm, a lot. I, it's, it's not it's just the length, it's the content. No, it's no, I, I mean a lot as in heavy. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I heard long, not long. Yeah, it's 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 not just heavy. It's just I guess the word is repulsive that I'd yeah. like to use. Like I'm, re I feel that it's repulsive, and the descriptions are repulsive, and I honestly wish ill on anyone who thinks this way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tell us how you really feel. <laughs> no, seriously, I yeah, actually yeah. think it's it's disgusting, yeah. and this part at least it's explaining their 
logic behind it is that if we stop, if we stop the rat race, so to speak, if we stop this intricate machine, then there is suffering and there is instability and lack of balance, according to their what they consider to be balance and, and human existence and life. Honestly, it, it's like describing the antithesis of, of what it means to be human. Well, you, you saw that bit where he said, you know, the, the problem with the past was they felt everything too strongly. Well, the feeling strongly modulating your emotional response to things and things like that, that's not as bad. Like you should feel and you should be able to process emotion and not necessarily be driven by emotion. That's fine. But to discount the ability of a human to feel and to dismiss it completely, that's not Which the is same. Kind of a, what, as a, yeah. It seems that's what they're doing here. Well, no, that's the thing. I mean, they're not describing humanity. As I said, they're dedicating themselves to a machine. This is a machine. This is not a civilization in the sense of that a civilization is for betterment, advancement, and not necessarily stability. It's for getting, you know, discovering more and exploring more. Whereas this is stifled. To keep the machine stifled. going. Yeah, this is stagnancy. It's the same as with 1984. That stagnancy, they, they refine how to make the stagnancy more stagnant. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we even, um, I, I think we'll have more to discuss, obviously, when the chapter is over, but uh, he talked about, uh, in, in kind of his argument against the idea of family, which they all find repulsive, and it's been intercut with Lenina talking to Fanny about, uh, you know, she's been seeing one man for four months, and Fanny thinks that's abhorrent, you know, people might start talking. It's and he's he you know, poke poke a hole in a hose. What happens? There's a jet. Poke twenty holes. It's a drizzle. And I I think obviously the the side by side comparison is like you have one sexual partner or one emotional investment in just a small amount of people. There, it becomes too intense. Yeah. Yes, yes. Whereas you have you know if everyone belongs to everyone, they've already used that phrase. Um, yeah. Then that way there's, there's uh, well, the idea is that you distribute the pressure and you don't have extremes. This is the idea of eliminating extremes, but all extremes. Yes. And that's just, yeah. Yeah. There is no innovation. There is no growth. There is no change, which, I mean, is the whole point. As, as long as, yeah, the machine keeps moving. Yeah. The wheels keep turning. Crying, my baby, my mother, my only, only love, groaning, my sin, my terrible God, screaming with pain, muttering with fever, bemoaning old age and poverty. How can they tend the wheels? And if they cannot tend the wheels, the corpses of a thousand, thousand, thousand men and women would be hard to bury or burn. There we have it right there. If, if people feel extreme emotion, they can't tend the wheels. Yeah. So, so, you know, yeah, it really, it's in the guise of making humanity better. That, that's what they're telling everybody, but really it's just to keep, keep uh, consumerism happening. Yeah, to keep consumerism happening and control humanity, which is not the same as letting it actually develop and grow. And after all, Fanny's tone was coaxing. It's not as though there were anything painful or disagreeable about having one or two men besides Henry. And seeing that you ought to be a little more promiscuous, stability, insisted the controller, stability, the primal and the ultimate need, stability, hence all this. With a wave of his hand, he indicated the gardens, the huge building of the conditioning center, the naked children, furtive in the undergrowth or running across the lawns. 
Lenina shook her head. Somehow, she mused, I haven't been feeling very keen on promiscuity lately. There are times when one doesn't. Haven't you found that too, Fanny? Fanny nodded her sympathy and understanding. But one's got to make the effort, she said sententiously. One's got to play the game. After all, everyone belongs to everyone else. Yes, everyone belongs to everyone else, Lenina repeated slowly and sighing, was silent for a moment. Then, taking Fanny's hand, gave it a little squeeze. You're quite right, Fanny. As usual, I'll make the effort. Impulse arrested spills over, and the flood is feeling. The flood is passion. The flood is even madness. It depends on the force of the current, the height and strength of the barrier. The unchecked stream flows smoothly down its appointed channels into a calm well-being. The embryo is hungry, day in, day out. The blood surrogate pump unceasingly turns its 800 revolutions a minute. The decanted infant howls. At once a nurse appears with a bottle of external secretion. Feeling lurks in that interval of time between desire and its consummation. Shorten that interval, break down all those old unnecessary barriers. Fortunate boys, said the controller. No pains have been spared to make your lives emotionally easy to preserve you, so far as that is possible, from having emotions at all. Ford's in his flivver, murmured DHC, all's well with the world. Lenina Crown, said Harry Foster, echoing the assistant predestinator's question as he zipped up his trousers. Oh, she's a splendid girl, wonderfully pneumatic. I'm surprised you haven't had her. I can't think how it is I haven't, said the assistant predestinator. I certainly will, at the first opportunity. From his place on the opposite side of the change room aisle, Bernard Marks overheard what they were saying and turned pale. And to tell the truth, said Lenina, I'm beginning to get just a tiny bit bored with nothing but Henry every day. She pulled on her left stocking. Do you know Bernard Marks? She asked in a tone whose excessive casualness was evidently forced. Fanny looked startled. You don't mean to say. Why not? Bernard's an alpha plus. Besides, he asked me to go to one of the savage reservations with him. I've always wanted to see a savage reservation. But his reputation? What do I care about his reputation? They say he doesn't like obstacle golf. They say, they say, mocked Lenina. And then he spends most of his time by himself, alone. There was horror in Fanny's voice. Well, he won't be alone when he's with me. And anyhow, why are people so beastly to him? I think he's rather sweet. She smiled to herself. How absurdly shy he had been. Frightened almost as though she were a world controller and he a gamma minus machine minder. Consider your own lives, said Mustafa Mond. Has any of you ever encountered an insurmountable obstacle? The question was answered by a negative silence. Has any of you been compelled to live through a long time interval between the consciousness of a desire and its fulfillment? Well, began one of the boys and hesitated. Speak up, said the DHC. Don't keep his fordship waiting. I once had to wait nearly four weeks before a girl I wanted would let me have her. And you felt a strong emotion in consequence? Horrible. Horrible, precisely, said the controller. Our ancestors were so stupid and short-sighted that when the first reformers came along and offered to deliver them from these horrible emotions, they wouldn't have anything to do with them. Talking about her as though she were a bit of meat, Bernard ground his teeth. Have her here, have her there, like mutton, degrading her to so much mutton. She said she'd think it over. She said she'd give me an answer this week. Oh, Ford, Ford, Ford. He would have liked to go up to them and hit them in the face hard, again and again. Yes, I really do advise you to try her, Henry Foster was saying. 
Take ectogenesis. Fitzner and Kawaguchi had got the whole technique worked out. But would governments look at it? No. There was something called Christianity. Women were forced to go on being viviparous. He's so ugly, said Fanny. But I rather like his looks. And then so small, Fanny made a grimace. Smallness was so horribly and typically low caste. I think that's rather sweet, little Anina. One feels one would like to pet him, you know, like a cat. Fanny was shocked. They say somebody made a mistake when he was still in the bottle, thought he was a gamma, and put alcohol into his blood surrogate. That's why he's so stunted. What nonsense! Lenina was indignant. Sleep teaching was actually prohibited in England. There was something called liberalism. Parliament, if you know what that was, passed a law against it. The records survive. Speeches about liberty of the subject. Liberty to be inefficient and miserable. Freedom to be a round peg in a square hole. But, my dear chap, you're welcome. I assure you, you're welcome. Henry Foster patted the assistant predestinator on the shoulder. Everyone belongs to everyone else, after all. 100 repetitions, three nights a week for four years, thought Bernard Marx, who was a specialist on hypnopedia. 62,400 repetitions make one truth. Idiots. Or the caste system. Constantly proposed, constantly rejected. There was something called democracy, as though men were more than physico-chemically equal. Well, all I can say is that I'm going to accept his invitation. Bernard hated them, hated them. But they were two. They were large. They were strong. The Nine Years' War began in AF-141. Not even if it were true about the alcohol in his blood surrogate. Phosgene, chloropicrin, ethyl iodoacetate, diphenylcyanarsine, trichloromethyl, chloroformate, dichloroethyl sulfide, not to mention hydrocyanic acid. Which I simply don't believe, Lenina concluded. The noise of 14,000 aeroplanes advancing in open order. But in the Kurfürstendam in the 8th arrondissement, the explosion of the anthrax bombs is hardly louder than the popping of a paper bag. Because I do want to see a savage reservation, CH3C6H2 NO2 3 plus HG CNO2 equals, well, what? An enormous hole in the ground, a pile of masonry, some bits of flesh and mucus, a foot with the boot still on it, flying through the air and landing, flop, in the middle of the geraniums, the scarlet ones. Such a splendid show that summer. You're hopeless, Lenina. I give you up. The Russian technique for infecting water supplies was particularly ingenious. Back turned to back, Fanny and Lenina continued their changing in silence. The Nine Years' War, the great economic collapse, there was a choice between world control and destruction, between stability and... Fanny Crown's a nice girl, too, said the assistant predestinator. In the nurseries, the elementary class consciousness lesson was over. The voices were adapting future demand to future industrial supply. I do love flying, they whispered. I do love flying. I do love having new clothes. I do love... Liberalism, of course, was dead of anthrax. But all the same, you couldn't do things by force. Not nearly no nomadic as Lenina. Oh, not nearly. But old clothes are beastly, continued the untiring whisper. We always throw away old clothes. Ending is better than mending. Ending is better than mending. Ending is better. Government's an affair of sitting, not hitting. You rule the brains and the buttocks, never with the fists. For example, there was the conscription of consumption. There, I'm ready, said Lenina. But Fanny remained speechless and averted. Let's make peace, Fanny, darling. Every man, woman, and child compelled to consume so much a year in the interest of industry. The sole result, ending is better than mending. The more stitches, the less riches. The more stitches, 
One of these days, said Fanny, with dismal emphasis, you'll get into trouble. Conscientious objection on an enormous scale. Anything not to consume? Back to nature. I do love flying. I do love flying. Back to culture. Yes, actually to culture. You can't consume much if you sit still and read books. Do I look all right, Lenina asked. Her jacket was made of bottle green acetate cloth with green viscous fur at the cuffs and collar. Eight hundred simple lifers were mowed down by machine guns at Golders Green. Ending is better than mending. Ending is better than mending. Green corduroy shorts on white viscous woolen stockings turned down below the knee. Then came the famous British Museum Massacre. Two thousand culture fans gasped with dichlorethyl sulfide. A green and white jockey cap shaded Lenina's eyes. Her shoes were bright green and highly polished. In the end, said Mustafa Mond, the controllers realized that force was no good. The slower but infinitely surer methods of ectogenesis, neo-Pavlovian conditioning, and hypnopedia. And round her waist, she wore a silver-mounted green Morocco surrogate cartridge belt, bulging, for Lenina was not a free margin, with the regulation supply of contraceptives. The discoveries of Fitzner and Kawaguchi were at last made use of, an intensive propaganda against viviparous reproduction. Perfect, cried Fanny enthusiastically. She could never resist Lenina's charm for long, and what a perfectly sweet Malthusian belt. Accompanied by a campaign against the past, by the closing of museums, the blowing up of historical monuments, luckily most of them had already been destroyed during the Nine Years' War, by the suppression of all books published before AF-150. I simply must get one like it, said Fanny. There were some things called the pyramids, for example. My old black patent bandolier, and a man called Shakespeare. You've never heard of them, of course. It's an absolute disgrace, that bandolier of mine. Such are the advantages of a really scientific education. The more stitches, the less riches. The more stitches, the less. The introduction of our Ford's first T-model. I've had it nearly three months. Chosen as the opening date of the new era. Ending is better than mending. Ending is better. There was a thing, as I've said before, called Christianity. Ending is better than mending. The ethics and philosophy of underconsumption. I love new clothes. I love new clothes. I love so essential when there was underproduction. But in the age of machines and the fixation of nitrogen, positively a crime against society. Henry Foster gave it to me. All crosses had their tops cut and became T's. There was also a thing called God. It's real Morocco surrogate. We have the world state now, and Ford's Day celebrations, and community sings, and solidarity services. Ford, how I hate them, Bernard Marx was thinking. There was a thing called heaven, but all the same, they used to drink enormous quantities of alcohol, like meat, like so much meat. There was a thing called the soul, and a thing called immortality. Do ask Henry where he got it. But they used to take morphia and cocaine. And what makes it worse, she thinks of herself as meat. 2,000 pharmacologists and biochemists were subsidized in AP-178. He does look glum, said the assistant predestinator, pointing at Bernard Marx. Six years later, it was being produced commercially. The perfect drug. Let's bait him. Euphoric, narcotic, pleasantly hallucinant. Glum, Marx, glum. The clap on the shoulder made him start. Look up. It was that brute, Henry Foster. What you need is a gram of soma. All the advantages of Christianity and alcohol, none of their defects. Ford, I should like to kill him, but all he did was to say, no thank you, and fend off the proffered tube of tablets. Take a holiday from reality whenever you like, and come back without so much as a headache or a mythology. Take it, insisted Henry Foster. Take it. Stability was practically assured. 
One cubic centimeter cures 10 gloomy sentiments, said the assistant predestinator, citing a piece of homely hypnopedic wisdom. It only remained to conquer old age. Damn you, damn you, shouted Bernard Marx. Hoity-toity. Gonadal hormones, transfusion of young blood, magnesium salts. And do remember that a gram is better than a dam. They went out laughing. All the physiological stigmata of old age have been abolished, and along with them, of course. Don't forget to ask him about that Malthusian belt, said Fanny. Along with them, all the old man's mental peculiarities. Characters remain constant throughout a whole lifetime. Two rounds of obstacle golf to get through before dark. I must fly. Work, play. At 60, our powers and tastes are what they were at 17. Old men in the battle days used to renounce, retire, take to religion, spend their time reading, thinking, thinking. Idiots, swine, Bernard Marx was saying to himself as he walked down the corridor to the lift. Now such is progress. The old men work. The old men copulate. The old men have no time, no leisure from pleasure, not a moment to sit down and think. Or if ever by some unlucky chance such a crevice of time should yawn in the solid substance of their distractions, there is always soma. Delicious soma. Half a gram for a half holiday, a gram for a weekend, two grams for a trip to the gorgeous east, three for a dark eternity on the moon, returning whence they find themselves on the other side of the crevice, safe on the solid ground of daily labor and distraction, scampering from feely to feely, from girl to nomadic girl, from electromagnetic golf course to... Go away, little girl, shouted the DHC angrily. Go away, little boy. Can't you see that his four ships busy? Go and do your erotic play somewhere else. Suffer, little children, said the controller. Slowly, majestically, with a faint humming of machinery, the conveyors moved forward, 33 centimeters an hour, and the red darkness glinted innumerable rubies. Oh, boy. So, as the chapter went on, the switching back and forth got more um, consistent. Yeah, I... Just, I think it's 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 meant to weave like that reality, that you know, like it's a factory. Yes, yes, and um, and kind of what you know, what's happening with Bernard and what was happening with Lenina was kind of in the same ballpark as what the uh, the controller was talking about. Yeah, so that you've got these two that I, I'm going to just quote unquote refer to as throwbacks. You know, well, you're not... seeing some Winston and Julia there, are you? Yeah, well, I'm seeing throwbacks. I'm seeing people that are like so. Bernard is obviously seeing through the programming. Well, something's he, not right. Yeah. Well, yeah, but also he's he is their head of psychology, so he's an alpha plus, mm. whatever that might mean. And whether that's because he is more aware or actually understands how the system works. But but you hear also like he's being made fun of because he's shorter than the other alpha pluses. So the rumor is that oh they accidentally put a bit of alcohol in to his surrogate, and that. And the might... question is, did they share that rumor because they? They're jealous. They're... Well, jealous is one thing, but also is it in order to control and not listen to him and be more dismissive of what he has to say? So even if he is an aberration, so to speak. Hmm. That they want to hold on to it and use it for productivity because he's useful. Hmm. And you can't get rid of an alpha. You know, like that seems like it would be a waste. It would be a squandering. Oh, get it. That's, that's one of the strangely egalitarian things about this so far is it seems like you can't really get rid of anyone. They all kind of have a use. Yeah. So we don't squander. So the idea is that human life is not squandered. Everything has a use or a purpose well, we as to whether... 
they'll be chopped up and used for you know parts <laughs> that's another thing entirely but yeah that was a the, big chapter um it was a, it was a big chapter it was very dense i mean it makes sense that, that the humans exist to perpetuate the consumption but they themselves are also cons- part of the consumption so they themselves are just commodities or consumption consumed Every, elements everything in its place yeah well, there's a bit that came up, which was the whole that felt like very que- a very questionable relationship with the idea of consent, this idea of everyone belongs to everyone, mm-hmm. and that entitlement that came from that one you know, one of the guys that was asked, "Oh, you, I had to. I've never wanted for anything except for that one time. I had to wait for four weeks until I could have that." one woman and, and the direct the controller said how did that feel and he's like horrible horrible yeah so like, yeah of that's course, horrible <laughs> How, yeah so having a well not even having a negative emotion almost having an emotion well it's yeah that it was that it felt like it was an emotion or just uh, was the word is denial not denial um you know when someone deliberately or intentionally um doesn't partake or doesn't consume like they they deny themselves their personal their gratification so to speak oh Mm. that's been that's been removed oh yeah people want something and they go out and they get it yeah so And, and if they can't there's soma there to take any edge off yeah yeah soma is you probably we'll we'll learn more about soma later but especially the last part of that chapter when he was talking about um you take more for longer vacations it really seems to be almost the core of the society it's the stop gap it's like anything goes yeah. a, a little amiss it's there to sand the edges off yeah and i mean there's a lot of references that i'm probably missing because i'm not a hundred percent like, like there's bits of it where I can't focus. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it, we we were jumping back and forth like crazy, and and I yeah, I don't too. know how well I conveyed that with my reading, but it it it's it's confusing no matter what. Well, it's more I'm thinking there's certain terms. I'm sure they have meanings. Things like Malthusian. I'm sure that has a oh, meaning. Oh yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, right same now. thing. Like I'm not able to actually dwell enough to to process that bit. Yeah, it's pretty hard to read. Um, because of all the different things that we did give a content warning about at the beginning, just that casual nature towards that, that objectification of people into products, like that they're just they exist to be consumed, they exist to to consume, and um, and and seeing that in the context of their their sexual in- interactions, the fact that we have a fake pregnancy because she was feeling out of sorts, and to maintain the body, one must have experienced at least one pregnancy by X Y Z, like it's. Ugh. Yeah, that that bit. Um, I mean, it's I, ver- questionable. I, I forget if that's explained a little more, but I wonder if that's maybe like again, like Soma, it's to stop women going crazy. Like society. they have to have some form of uh, going through that's... a biological process. Well, I think more that that's a reflection of. Um, a little bit of the assumptions at the time. Mm. And remember how we were talking about the science, that yeah. science and truths change depending on how much information we receive. Yeah. And at the time and even preceding Aldous's uh, worldview, the prevalent theory would be that a female wishes to produce 
a mm. child and that they're driven by this product this drive right and that's that that's an inevitability as part of their biological programming so to speak yeah. um and that it's good for their health etc etc right so that's a prevalent yeah, actually a prevalent, i can see that exactly in that idea yeah yeah and so that ideology is reflecting here saying well okay it's a scientific fact that we're going to just apply because at the time it was as far as they were concerned a scientific fact just like how uh, it, it's the biological imperative of man to try and reproduce as much as he can. Yes, things like that, which is, which is again, these are considered by, these were at the time of when they were in, conceived as concepts, they were considered absolute facts, whereas reality is, no, these are not absolute facts. Mm. There is a lot more choice and volition and biology is actually a lot more complicated. Yeah. And so we're learning the more we, we, we use our yeah. tools. Yeah to explore but that explains that particular um i guess accepted reality in the book which is also weird because she talked about like a fanny was a brunette with certain types of hips so obviously she's from a certain yeah. batch and they're like oh my doctor told me us we we need to have it earlier for some reason it's technically there's probably a bit of classism in that statement as well yeah there's classism and probably some sort of underlying um, racial kind of business that we might not, but it might be going over your my head right now mm. um, because we just, we don't know what Aldous was specifically meaning except for that based on XYZ appearance, there's obviously other biological prerogatives. And, and I have a feeling maybe you're on the same page, but... Um... It's funny, when I discuss certain issues that are coming up from these books, I kind of mentally am trying to tiptoe around saying something that might be deemed offensive or ignorant. You know, ah, yeah. I, 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 I want to have a fruitful discussion, but I don't want to come off like... <laughs> well, look, it's it, what you can say is like, is this a thing? And then I go, well, not really. It used to be a thought that it was, a, it was thought to be a thing, but it's well, not really a thing. Speaking of classism, so... Near the end of the chapter, those last couple pages, not only was it Mustafa Bond and Bernard Marx and Lenina, it seemed like they started splicing in some of the hypnopedia stuff from, I don't know what class it's supposed to be, but you know, um, the ending is better than mending. What, what, why fix something consumer. when you can buy something new? Um, that was consumerism, and I think that was them describing the consumerism. Yeah, stitches, the ethics and philosophy. take away from riches. Was that the other one? Yeah, it was saying. Um, I'm trying to find the actual thing. Oh, I'm scrolling. Just that, while you're looking. Ah, there it is. Okay, yeah, there yeah. it is. Sorry. In the nurseries, the elementary, the elementary class consciousness lesson was over. So that gotcha. was a lesson we heard before, and the voices were adapting to future demand to in future industrial supply. So, so consumption. This is now the lesson of the, them actually learning about consumption. Like, I love flying. Um, I liked, but old clothes are horrible. I should always get new clothes, that kind of thing. I just want to tell you as an aside, it's come to me now. I actually, as I was reading this chapter, um, before the quarantine really got bad with the whole COVID-19 thing, I went over to visit our friends Kenneth and Lisa. And the, yeah. uh, listeners may recognize Lisa. She's... Uh, She's given us some great feedback on our uh, previous episodes. And she, mm. she started reading Brave New World before we started it because she knew that's what we'd be covering. And she wanted to kind of get a, a head start on it. And she, 
she actually took me aside and because it's been years since I read the book, she talked about go, have you given any thought to how difficult it's going to be to read chapter three? And because I didn't re- remember what chapter three was all about, I kind of said, well, I, cause she's like, there's like three different conversations going on. I got, I, you know, I don't try and put on any voices. So I guess I'll just try and have the inflections come through and hopefully it will all make sense. But <laughs> as I was reading the chapter, my mind went back to oh yes this is what she was talking about it's not just three conversations happening it's three and even then more separate things taking place and they oh they they entwine (laughs) because the concepts are it's all about reinforcing that mindset and the philosophy but then also showing the stark contrast of at least two of the characters who seem to be swimming against the stream so to speak yeah, uh, and it's funny, like, Lenina had her friend Fanny to kind of confide in and get chided by, but Bernard seemed to have no one. In fact, he had a lot of anger towards yeah, that, the, and the other we, men we, in the room. And we had the other little boy. Yes, who who didn't want to uh, roll around with the girl outside. Yep, and then there was, and, and the name of the little girl was, was it Polly? Trotsky, yeah. Polly Trotsky. It's interesting, he's using all the, the, the um, like philosophers of consumption and industrialism and yeah it's what about that little fact that apparently there's only like ten thousand names in the world yeah well that's surnames though but yeah but but there what was it was something like thousands of millions like the population of the world in this book is just ballooned yeah yeah and and even that was said as negative look if we stop the machine if we stop the machine, uh, we're going to go back to like pre-Ford population. How horrible would that be? Millions will suffer. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of a really strange programming. But on that note, I'm looking forward to next week. My sourdough has grown. It's not thousands of millions, but it must be. I must seize the means of production. No, um... <laughs> Of sourdoughness, um, but well, yeah. Well, if, if you're dealing with dough, that will be squeezing the means of production. Oh God, it's so bad. But yes, yes. Okay, so the um, the music at the top of the podcast was Soma by Lionel Moser, and now you finally have an inkling of what Soma is. Actually, on that one, I reckoned. You know how it was interesting. It went from opiate use and production to that. He also he also compared it to Christianity. Yeah, it's well, that reminds me of the whole idea of was it religion is the opiate of the masses? Yep. That's that's a direct reference right there. Like so he's he's referencing directly. Oh, oh well, actually one last thing before we move on, Rue, cuz it's yep. come up. The the thing about it, apparently men don't grow old. They they kind of stay in their prime until an end point. It's interesting they mention men don't grow old. Does mm. it say anything about women? Yeah. Yeah curious curiouser and curiouser because you know that thing oh if if a man has time thinking my god yeah Uh, so yeah the music at the top of the podcast was soma by lionel moser at the end it's all as always is i'm the slime by frank zappa and you can find dave at dave underscore the underscore turnip on twitter you can find me at rue mcmoo you can find our Twitter for the podcast at SMBSLT Podcast and leave us feedback. 
You can also use that same SMB SLT podcast for Facebook, for our Facebook page. Um, and if you'd like to email us, it's SMB SLT podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we, we'd love to hear feedback from you. Um, if you know what a Malthusian belt is, we'd like to know. And all the random things amongst I'm, I'm wondering if it's just the color green. Uh, uh, that's the impression I'm getting. I'm too tired to look it up. <laughs> uh, once again, I, I, I think when we uh, look back on this chapter at the start of our next episode, maybe more of that's had time to, to mull to over and in. we'll have a more uh, interesting discussion. Yes, fantastic. If any, okay. if anything, the heat has kind of prevented uh, the the enthusiasm. Although after reading that chapter, I don't know in, if enthusiasm is the right word. Yes. So until next time. Happy reading, folks. Thank you.